All right, everybody, good morning. It is Pastor Paul from the home office here at Four Oaks Church. Obviously, I have my beanie on because obviously it's very cold outside in the low 40s or something. I know it'll warm up, but this is weather an East Tennessee boy can get very excited about. So anytime I get a chance to bundle up and, and put the beanie on, I'm going to take it. Anyway, it is Monday morning, November 8th, 2021, and so glad you've joined us. We call this Romans Rewind. This is where we take the opportunity to pick out bits and pieces of passages, ideas, theological truths, little tidbits from our sermon series on Sunday mornings. On Sunday mornings, we're preaching through the book of Romans at Four Oaks. We call it Rags to Righteous. And we don't always have time to cover everything that's in these passages. I mean, Romans has it undoubtedly is the crown jewel of the New Testament. It's an amazing work, but it's also fairly dense at times and not understand not and not unintelligible okay but certainly complex and it takes a while to, to flesh out these arguments and so we're using this time on weekday mornings every weekday morning eight eight uh eight o'clock five to ten fifteen minutes to unpack an idea and so we're now in romans four and so obviously paul's great burden in the text from this past week we looked at this yesterday um, on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks, Paul's great task is to try to define what faith is. And we spent most of our time on that. But there's another idea that threads its way through this passage and really threads its way through the book of Romans and the entire Bible that we really haven't hit on um, because it's not Paul's primary theme in this context, but it is a primary theme of Scripture. And this relates to the idea of God's kingdom. God's rule and reign, um, God's desire to see his knowledge spread all over the face of the earth, God's desire to bless the world, God's desire to bless the nations. And I'm going to read the same passage we read yesterday, but this time I want you to, to tune in carefully, if you can, to all the different times Paul mentions this idea of the world or nations. And then we want to talk about that and sort of ask, what does it mean for us? In fact, I anticipate us spending several mornings um, this week on this idea of the kingdom, the world, the nations, because it's not a peripheral theme of Scripture. So let, let me read Romans 4, beginning in verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, the faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the ones who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith, as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. 
but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, there are several times in there that Paul makes this reference that this promise was not only to Abraham, but in fact to Abraham's descendants, and not ethnic descendants, okay, primarily in view here, although God blessed the nation of Israel. In fact, it was his spiritual descendants, those who also would have faith. And Paul uses some interesting terms here to talk about this mission of God, so to speak. He talks about Abraham being heir to the world. He talks about through the line of Abraham, all the nations being blessed. And, and what we want to understand in terms of asking the question, what is God doing? It seems that Paul lays out there's two things God is doing simultaneously. And it's been this way since the beginning of time, since the fall of Adam and Eve. And it continues um, until Jesus comes back, right? And here are the two things, dual things, that God is doing. God is, number one, saving a people, right? He's gathering up a people to himself, those who know him through faith, okay? Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, through faith. So God is calling them together. And that's where we've been spending the our preponderance of our time on Sunday mornings, because that's where Paul spends the bulk of his time. They had to get the gospel right. They had to understand what justification by faith was. But there's also a second thing that God is doing, and we see it mentioned here three or four times. God is making all things new. And by making all things new, what we mean is that God is ushering in his kingdom reign as it is in heaven, now on earth. And when we say God is ushering in his reign, what we mean is that not only is God saving individuals, but God, through his people, is wanting to establish his rule, his reign, his authority over every area of life. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth shall be filled as the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the seas. And so this is not simply a matter of God just wants to save a people yank them out of earth, take them to some ethereal place called heaven where they can escape all the problems of the world. The, the scriptures are much more robust and nuanced at that in, in, in talking about this. See, God wants to renew the whole earth. And as we know in Revelation 21, when Jesus returns, this will not be so much him snatching us away to go to a secret place. This will be a time where heavens and the earth will will combine, will become one, that God will make his visitation with man. He will come from heaven and heaven and earth will be united and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth, a new earth in which everything will be lived out under the glorious reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know exactly what that's going to be, but we will have embodied selves. We'll be, we'll be flesh and blood. We'll have new bodies, resurrected bodies. We'll be living out lives of glory to... Um, to God's glory um, in building his kingdom and establishing that on earth. That seems to be the fulfillment of, of the prophetic visions. In fact, turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Isaiah chapter 19. And as I, as, as I highlight, as highlight this for us, one of the things as you begin to read the Old Testament, you'll begin to notice this theme about God renewing the nations, God renewing the world, it's a very prominent theme. It's not a peripheral theme in the scripture. So let me let me flip over here to Isaiah, Isaiah 19, 19. All right, let's see what 
the right Isaiah has to say. So, so Isaiah has just been prophesying all these oracles of doom against Egypt, against Assyria. Now, listen to what he says, um, Isaiah 19.9. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. When they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, he will send them a savior and defender and deliver them. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians. And Egyptians will know the Lord in that day and worship with sacrifice and offering. And they will make vows to the Lord and perform them. And the Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing, and they will return to the Lord. And he will listen to their pleas for mercy and heal them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. And Assyria will come into Egypt and Egypt into Assyria. And the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be with the third with, is, with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Now, do you see what's going on here? That God has made a promise to renew all the earth. God has, 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 is on a mission to bring shalom. In other words, peace. We can look out in the world today and know things are not as they are meant to be. And what God commissions us to do is to go out and not only place our faith in Christ and evangelize and share the gospel, although we do absolutely do that, but we're also to represent God in every area of our life. There's not one square inch of our life, um, Abraham Kuyper said, that Jesus does not look at and say, that belongs to me. And so God is interested in his glory, in his, in his, in his wisdom, in his might, in his power, being shown out through all areas of the earth. That's why um, we can we don't make sec sacred secular distinctions in our as as Christians in our work professions. In other words, what I do as a pastor is not um, inherently any more holy than what you might do as a doctor or a lawyer or a professor or a teacher or a homemaker or whatever it is that God has called you to do. Because those are all spheres God has called us to glorify Him in. And where all of this originates, okay, Paul makes it clear in Romans 4, is with Abraham. So, so God makes this covenant with Abraham that he's going to bless Abraham, raise up a seed of promise. It's from this seed, Isaac, that the Messiah will come. But it's also through this seed that the earth will be blessed, that the nations will be, will be, um, will be witnessed to, that God will fill the earth with his glory, just as the waters cover the sea. And this is not a peripheral theme. In fact, it's the, it's the gospel of the kingdom, right? So when Jesus came, what did Jesus come proclaiming? He said, repent for what? The kingdom of God is at hand. And the way that we saw the kingdom of God at hand in Jesus' ministry is not only were people being saved spiritually, right? But they were being saved physically. They were being healed. Um, bones were broken bones were put back together and, and the dead were raised and demon possessed people were set free. And these were all signposts, um, signals to the people there that God's kingdom was here. God's kingdom is approaching. It doesn't mean that God's kingdom is fully here because that awaits the final return of Jesus, right? But God's kingdom is on the move. God's kingdom is claiming territory here on earth. And this is stuff that we see all alluded to here in Romans 4 in saying that Abraham, he's the heir of the world. Abraham 
uh, through his seed, all the nations will be blessed, okay? So God is doing those two things simultaneously, right? He's establishing his rule and his reign through his kingdom, and then he's gathering a people by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, that should like completely reorient um, us to what we see as our mission, right? No matter what we do today, we are called to glorify God. No matter what we do today, as mundane and as just you know, dull as it might seem, these are all avenues that God means to work his way through in our lives to proclaim his glory, to shine the light of truth for people to see, to gather a people to himself. This is what God is up to. So my prayer this week, Four Oaks, is as we delve into this theme of the kingdom a little bit more, that God will open your eyes and it'll be much more expansive to you, your life, than simply what I can see, taste, touch, put my hands on, or what's happening in my little bit of the world today. You know, God is on the move across the world, across the globe, and we are privileged and thankful to be one small part of it. Um, so, all right, so that's where we are for today. We'll pick up the kingdom part two tomorrow on Tuesday. For now, let me pray. Lord, open our eyes to the big stuff that you're doing. Open our eyes to the idea that that you are working to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory, your glory, Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Lord, thank you that you are doing this through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.